every language is different and we produce sound in a different way according to the habits from our own language. So, you know, it's just another learning curve that can be gone through effectively with the right training. So please start having these conversations in the workplace and don't feel awkward about it. Welcome to the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO and founder of JGA Recruitment, specialist HR recruiters. Tuning into the HR L&D podcast will help you to discover strategic growth concepts, leadership development strategies, and the values and behaviours that drive organisational change and success. Together, let's empower our workforces, diversify our thinking and achieve significant HR success. Hello and welcome back to the HR L&D podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Group, and we are specialist HR recruiters. Now, today I'm joined by Isha Karol, who is founder of Pronounce Me, an Oxford University innovation business that began once as a scribble on the back of an envelope in an Italian classroom and has now become a startup at Oxford University Innovation, working across several industries with delegates from 11 language backgrounds. Now, Pronounce Me is now an award winning business, providing highly tailored levels of pronunciation training and more to address every aspect of language learning, particularly within the corporate environment. Now, with inclusivity and diversity at the heart of most HR agendas right now, it's quite surprising how often language is overlooked. However, we all know language is an expression of a person's culture and learning a new language is a process of cultural interchange. Here in the UK, English-speaking teams form the backbone of almost every single company. And yet, not everyone can hear and create the sounds of the English language because they don't exist in other languages. Something I didn't know and something we're going to find out more about during the course of this podcast. Now, having supported leading brands, including AXA, Monday Asset Management, Rabobank, and more, I've invited Isha today to join me to tell us more about her unique methodology, which combines both academic research with theatre-based skills, something close to my heart, to deliver transformational training with lasting results for businesses. So without further ado, Aisha Kumar, welcome to the HR L&D podcast. How are you feeling today? Hi, Nick. I'm good. It's great to see you. You too. Now, as we do in all of our podcasts, I'm going to start with this first question, which is, what do the words human resources mean to you? Well, in my work, I really try and focus on the human aspect. And what we do is very tailored to the individual, which is a departure from conventional language training where the person just has to sort of come and learn a language and try and master it. Um, So I'm really focusing on the needs of the human in their workplace and how they can perform more effectively using the English language. Fantastic. Super. Now, I mentioned an introduction there. I never knew that English as a language was difficult to learn for others because it has so many complex sounds, which apparently are not found in other languages. So before we jump into sort of the nitty gritty of the corporate world and the work that you're doing, can you tell me a little bit more about where that comes from? What kind of sounds you're referring to as someone who really doesn't have any understanding that that, that these sounds even existed? Well, you've raised an amazing point, which is that so many of us who are native speakers don't know the history of the language and why we have all these words and sounds that are difficult for speakers of other languages. If we go back to the Middle Ages, um, you know that English derived originally from kind of Old Norse and Germanic languages, but then yeah. a lot of influence from French and um, other languages. Um, in the Middle Ages, there was the beginning of what's called the Great Vowel Shift, and a lot of the long vowels in English morphed into diphthongs, which are sort of compound sounds made up of two 
sounds put together so that they sound like one vowel. And this process went on for a few centuries. And it means that the English that we speak now is very different from the English that was spoken in the Middle Ages and has a lot of complex sounds. It has eight diphthongs. We have 20 vowel sounds in total. Now, some languages, particularly Romance languages like Italian, Spanish, have very few vowel sounds. They have pure vowel sounds um, Spanish has five, Italian has seven. So just imagine if you're a Spanish speaker and you have five vowel sounds in your language and then you learn English and there are 15 vowel sounds that you have no system for producing. You haven't got the habit of producing those sounds in your mouth. You're not used to the sound of them. You substitute a sound from your own language because that's what your mouth is used to making. And then people don't understand it and you don't understand why. And I think that trying to explain that and train that is beyond the scope of conventional certifications such as Yelts or the CERF. No, fantastic. And it's something that I, I genuinely never knew. It makes total sense. You've explained it. You've explained it perfectly. So I guess that leads me on to telling me more about the often overlooked issue of intelli- intelligibility, I should say. It's a hard one to say for myself, especially in larger organisations. Uh, so tell me why a faster way to clear communication, if for want of a better way of uh, putting it, is really important for business performance. How are we relating language to performance within business? Well, especially now that, you know, so many people are meeting online remotely on Zoom or Teams, we need to be comprehensible and we don't have the advantage of body language and a lot of the context within which we communicate normally is removed. And especially if you're making a presentation and you have to get important information across, it's really important to make your points clearly and to be understood. So on the one hand, we have the difficulty that a speaker of another language might have in communicating clearly. And now we have an added layer, which is a slight context of not wanting to seem discriminatory by pointing out that you don't understand something somebody has said or you don't want to be rude. And misunderstandings in a business context can obviously be very serious. And, you know, that could scupper a deal or, you know, lead to some sort of misunderstanding further down the line. And also, It has an impact on the confidence of people in their workplace and the people that I've trained who are very, usually very high flyers in their industry, middle management, often find that this skill has been overlooked because their competencies in their work is so high that the fact that their English isn't completely clear hasn't really been addressed. And probably when they were hired, someone saw that they had their Yelp certification or something like that and, you know, they took the box. So, this is really about filling a gap that otherwise could have consequences for business. No, I think you put that really good. That's why also it's so important then for HR professionals to really get to grips with this, as you say, overlooked area of of inclusion, how it impacts diversity, which is really, really important. And we're talking lots of um, conversation at the minute about diversity and inclusion. But I do think this is an area that perhaps, as you say, is overlooked, that perhaps isn't being talked about as much as maybe... Maybe it should be. And you mentioned as well some of the other systems and things that have been in place. So tell me a little bit more about how pronounced me's training is different from conventional language training, as we may understand it. The one I'm most familiar with is the International English Language Testing System. I have a sister-in-law that, that used to teach that. I think it's known as the IELTS. But how how is it different? What, what, what should we come to expect? Well, pronounced me's training is very focused on the needs of the individual. And we actually do research into the sounds and the 
individuals' native language and create a bridge between those sounds and the sounds in English. And that involves not only explaining to them intellectually which sounds they need to master, but also actually showing them the, the tongue and mouth position, helping them to find it and imprint it so that they can, you know, bring that change forward in their future communication. So the training that a French speaker gets is going to be very different from the training that a speaker of Indian languages or even Spanish would get because the sounds in French are different to the sounds in Indian languages or the sounds in Spanish or Italian. So it's very tailored to the needs of the individual. We also look at how the the client is using language in their workplace. And as you know, certain industries have vocabulary that's very specific to that industry. So, you know, we try and sort out any pronunciation issues there may be with their work vocabulary in finance or whichever industry they're in. And then we work on their presentation skills as well to make sure they're really confident delivering a powerful presentation that gets the points across. Fantastic. So can you give me any examples of and maybe some of the presentation work you've been doing, uh, the level that you've been supporting, the kind of presentation even that they're delivering? Any other any sort of working examples or anecdotes? Um, well, I've been working a lot with people in finance and engineering and um, finance has very technical language and um, a lot of consonants. And in English, you know, the consonants are quite well articulated and they're quite hard. And when we use word stress, um, even though, you know, the stress really falls on the vowels, we kind of use the consonant to give it a bit more energy, you could yeah. say. Um, and there are some languages such as French where the consonants are really quite soft. And this is why these languages sound so gorgeous when they're sung. Um, but in, in a workplace where you need to use very technical language, you need to be a bit more muscular with the articulation. So that's something that I've been working on with my French clients, for instance. Yeah, it's a really interesting example. And and for someone who, unfortunately, my, my language skills are very, very poor, I'll confess. My wife speaks uh, Spanish and French. I, I'm not, not great with either language. But is there an example of the kind of the tongue position you were talking about? Or, the, or could you give me a, if we were to role play it, maybe an example of where this training may come into play? Ah, you've put me on the spot. I can be your willing victim if you like, I don't mind. Well, if you were French, you would probably not say the, you would probably say the. So you would say, we are talking about the singers, and you can get lost in a sea of kind of the sounds if you're not careful, especially with French. The intonation tends to go up at the end of phrases yeah. and they often speak very fast. So with a French speaker, I have to get them to sort of break that down a bit, put in more pauses, try and get the tip of the tongue between the teeth, which is not easy for them because it doesn't feel normal. And actually, as you asked for an anecdote, once I had a Polish student and she felt, she said she felt that she was sticking her tongue out at people if she put her tongue in the right position. And I said, no, that, that is actually how British people speak. And if you want to make the sound correctly, you've got to you know, do it. Sure. Um, so sometimes people have a preconception that comes from not only their own language, but their own culture. And sometimes we have to sort of work through those a little bit. Have you ever asked yourself, how can any recruiter understand my HR recruitment challenges? Please don't give up on your hiring challenges just yet. Here at JGA HR Recruitment, we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting, recruiting and retaining top human resources talent. We also understand just how costly a poor hire can be. JGA HR Recruitment would like to partner with you to help you overcome your hiring challenges. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. 
But it's, it is important if you're delivering, as you say, you're working with some senior managers in in, in you know, financial sectors and, and senior markets. You know, if you're going to deliver an important presentation, it's important that I guess the, the way that we deliver those words can can have can carry huge weight and huge importance. So it's again, it, it, I can totally understand why it's an essential uh, aspect that we should be considering in the way that we're delivering some of this work because the way we communicate leads to better performance, better understanding, better acceptance and inclusivity as well. So I think it's um, it's really important. I think you've, that's a really good anecdote as well to use in, in, in that regard. Now, you mentioned, um, or I mentioned in the introduction for my research, that you, this all came from initially, you know, scribbling in in, uh, in Italy on the back of a, of a paper and you, you developed it now into a, a wonderful, wonderful business. How have you gone about developing the training program to, to where it is now? What's, what has, what's been your methodology and your process? Well, a lot of it I've developed on the job. And um, what happened in Italy is I had a temporary teaching job in a school and I was seeing a lot of classes and they were all making the same mistakes in English. So I got very interested in why that was um, and did some research into the language background. And I also started using different elements of my own background. I have a theatre background and a music background, and I think you do too, Nick, so you'll yeah. understand this I'm part. loving your background, um, by the way, just in this, for those that are on audio, they won't see it, but if you're watching this visually on YouTube or something else, we've both got musical instruments as our backdrop, so I was very excited when I saw, saw you join the call today. Yeah, it's a bit of a historical guitar clash going on, but quite <laughs> relevant, I think, talking about the development of musical instruments and the development of language. So to go back to Italy, um, you know, and, and they were children, so I had the luxury of being able to play with them and get them to do things. So we were, you know, introducing elements of theatre and getting them to find ways to make the sound. And I realised that I had something. So I took it to the Sai Business School at Oxford and went through an incubator process. And then I was out in the corporate world um, with my programmes that I'd researched for different language backgrounds and seeing how far I could push these corporate guys in suits. Um, you know, and it's been a really fun process. I mean, sometimes we do you know, more intellectual, linguistic-based work. And sometimes I get them to sing Madonna songs because they can't find a certain sound and it helps them to isolate the sound. And sometimes it's easier to sing because we let go of our inhibitions and, you know, we can just sort of play. So I'm really trying to keep that element of play in the work, um, especially for people that are sing sitting behind a desk all day. And I used to be a corporate trainer, actually, in my acting days. I used to do role-play training in the corporate world. So I'm quite used to that idea of bringing play into the corporate world and I think it's really effective. Was that the driver for you going into the corporate world with this with this program because obviously the program doesn't necessarily you could have taken a different direction you've been very much focused on delivering this to corporates and improving corporate communications what was it that led led you to that 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 motivation to focus on the corporate world and, and senior leaders in particular in, in, in improving this area of communication? Well, it was partly that they wanted the work and the demand for it was there. But I think also, you know, corporations, businesses have to use innovation in their work. And so they sort of understand a good innovation when they see one. And, um, you know, and they often do hire trainers to come in and deliver team exercises and yeah. all sorts of things. So it was a good place to sort of get that developed. And I've also been very lucky that I was given the flexibility to tailor the training to the needs of the individual clients and that's really helped making it relevant to the workplace how 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 is the the change in the way that we work particularly post pandemic now with a real adoption on mass scale globally of of zoom and teams and other things like that how has that impacted the work that you do because obviously initially you were going into corporates i imagine you're working with people face to face and really closely but now you can 
almost scale the business, I would imagine, much greater now because of the way that we're, we're, we're communicating. But as you said at the start of this podcast, you know, a lot, a lot of our communication is through body language and body language is, is perceptive differently on, on Zoom as it might be in face-to-face. So how has that changed your work? Has it improved it? Have, have you had to adapt to anything in particular? Well, as you suggested, I mean, now I'm able to work internationally um, on Zoom, which is great. And I can help people that have relocated or, you know, are in an international environment anywhere in the world. Um, in terms of having to adapt the methodology, there have been some improvements because I work in a very multimedia kind of way. And as I mentioned before, sometimes I'm getting them to sing a song or look at presentations online. And being on Zoom, you can just flip around between the different media. And if you go into an office, you're kind of looking for the password and getting yeah. your laptop online and all those things. So in some ways, it's easier. And um, <clears throat> we've got less, maybe a little less flexibility with being physical in the environment. But, you know, I do kind of online professional development and people are doing great things with their hands, even just sort of exploring movement in space with hands. So there's always more things you can bring into the work. I, I definitely tend to be a hand mover. I think when I talk, I go quiet, then, I, then my hands come to life. I don't even know I'm doing it half the time and they come into the image. So I'm definitely one of those individuals that, that likes to keep moving. Maybe it's my theatre background. I'm not too sure. Bringing it back to an HR context, um, Isha, how do you think, or why do you think even, that HR personnel need to consider intelligibility in international staff? Because we are recruiting now globally. The pandemic has allowed us to hire a more globally accessible, a more globally accessible workforce now. What, bringing it back to an HR context, why is that really important for HR professionals to consider? Well, there are two factors. There's the impact on the business. And obviously, you want your staff to be very well skilled and you want them to be clear when they're making presentations. They're representing your business and your brand and you want them to do that to the highest level that they can. And then also, you have to consider the confidence of your staff. And, you know, people feel more confident when they know that what they say is being understood. It can be quite undermining if you think that you're making a presentation and you you have your PowerPoint up and you say all this stuff and then you sort of sit there going, did they understand anything? Yeah. And, and, you know, some of my students have shared with me that they have that kind of anxiety, even though they're very high performers. So it's really about supporting your international staff so that they can deliver their best work, both for them and for you as a company. I think the confidence element is something that I'd overlooked, hadn't considered. It makes total sense now you've mentioned it, but absolutely right. It, it could absolutely impact your confidence. If I was to reference it to singing, it's like that fear of coming in flat. You know, if you don't want, you want to hit the right note. And it's the same with, with with language. You want to make sure that you are communicating correctly. So that makes total sense, and how that could play on anxieties, which can which can obviously have a have a domino effect on other areas of your business and your performance. So I think that's a, a really important aspect to to bring up. What other issues might international uh, or relocated staff? Uh, we're seeing less of that maybe now with 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 the growth of MS Teams and things like that. But we still have a huge global mobility um, business in the UK. People going out of the UK. People coming into the UK. What other issues and what other support might those individuals need in relation to English language training? Well, that's a good question because I'm in this privileged position where I'm helping people in a very personal way. They sometimes share you know, aspects of the challenges that they face with me. And a lot of them are suffering from fish out of water syndrome. Sometimes they don't f- feel fully ex- accepted in their new environment if they've relocated or they have some cultural challenges and they can't really understand where that's coming from. So I think pronunciation training and spoken language training is part of the wider context of equality and diversity and also cultural acclimatization if they're coming from another culture to work in, you know, not only 
maybe a country where they've relocated or even if it's online in a company that has a certain culture, just making sure that they're really accepted for who they are, which obviously is part of diversity. It makes sense. I'm I'm a, I'm a big uh, football fan. I think sometimes we we we're too quick to critical to criticize when a new player comes in from a different country or English, you know, maybe they don't speak any English, suddenly they're not performing on the football pitch and we all think it's because they're not good enough and actually we we can easily forget that because they're in front of us and we're seeing them that they've actually had to adapt to a new country, and new cultures, new languages, communication, all those things impact your ability to perform whether you're a good footballer or not, right? So it's amazing that when they start to adapt and start to learn the language and, and get more accustomed to the you know the, the, the culture of a, of a country and, and the the things that we the way that we do things in any country, how better their performances come as a result. So I can absolutely see why if that happens in a, in an athletics and sport, why that would translate into the world of business as well. And you must have seen that a lot in the work that you're doing with with the financial businesses. Yes, not just finance in every field, and um, especially with engineers actually, because engineering is quite a technical field, and they're often not the kind of people that have done a lot of work on their voice or on you know, speaking or verbal communication. So when that, you know, if they get promoted and they have to present to a team, that can suddenly throw a whole new challenge in the works that they hadn't anticipated and their work to date hasn't really prepared them for. Sure. No, I can imagine that. So can, can you tell us more about, I know you've got a new program that's that's coming out soon, a signature program. I think it's called the English Mastery for Global Professionals. Tell us a little bit more about the new program that, that, that you're launching. Okay, well, this is bringing together all the work that I've been doing as it's evolved by working with people in the corporate world. So we're we're looking not only at pronunciation, which includes, you know, aspects of phonetics, bridging the gap between the sounds in their native language and the sounds of English, and a lot of rhythm and stress work, which is very important, but also looking a bit at the wider cultural context, looking at what do native English speakers do that we take for granted that maybe isn't obvious if English isn't your first language, looking at the embodiment aspect. So, you know, do you have to take on a bit of a different character to speak English convincingly um, while keeping, you know, your own identity? So it's not as if you're suddenly trying to sound like you're impersonating an English person, Mm -hmm. but you are finding a way of sounding convincing in English while being yourself. So it's bringing together all those quite diverse aspects in one package that's aimed to It's also really focused on the client's work and what they have to do at work. So it's really trying to make them into the most effective performer that they can be. And if I'm an HR professional listening to this podcast now, thinking actually I think our staff could really benefit from this program, where can I direct them? Is it the pronounceme.co.uk side or is there a specific link that we can direct them to? It's both. Um, You can always contact us via the website. Also, we're actually running a free evaluation offer for a certain number of companies and it'll be done via on Zoom. You can bring up to three employees and we'll evaluate their spoken English skills and also how that's impacting their work. And then a report will be produced. So that's actually completely free at the moment. And there's a link where you can sign up, which I'll give to you. Fabulous. Well, I'll make sure those links are available in the show notes as well. Uh, so if anyone's interested, as I said, it's pronounceme.co.uk and there will be a link in the show notes to so just go straight through and you can click right through to, to find out more. Now, interestingly, um, Isha, during my research for this interview, I discovered that according to the British Council, there are six critical business areas that are often impacted by the quality of an employee's English skills. So for those interested in HR audience here, I'm sure will be interested when it comes to business performance. Those six areas included supplier costs, international investments and sales, 
intelligence, business intelligence, international projects and tenders, internal communications and team cooperation, and brand value and customer satisfaction, which are all areas that massively impact the role of an HR professional and HR leader. And now, as I mentioned again in my introduction, you've supported and worked with a number of major brands to include to, to improve the English skills with the ultimate aim, of course, to improve business performance as a result of improved communications. So with that in mind, I'd love to know some of the results of the work you've delivered to your clients, in particular, though, those results that relate to hiring managers who have perhaps been either promoted um, overseas uh, to an English-speaking environment or, alternatively, English people that, that uh, sorry, uh, people that have come to the UK and are being onboarded to an English company. Um, it'd be great to see if, if there's any, uh, again, examples, I guess, on how that work has really helped to improve those six sort of key areas that are often impacted uh, as, as according to the, uh, the British Council research. Well, if you look at the kind of testimonials we're getting, um, the clients are quite specific about the benefits to them. They Most of them report increased confidence. Um, most of them, I think most of all, they feel sure that they're, work is being received and it's being perceived at its full value. I think there's probably nothing worse than, you know, working hard for a presentation and not knowing whether you've really been understood. So they feel that they can deliver their best work. And I'm sure that's having a positive impact on the company. And um, I've had a bit of feedback from HR personnel as well. And they always say thank you. And, you know, the improvement is usually visible in just a few weeks, or I should say audible. Um, and other team members notice as well. So it's really nice to hear that feedback about the impact. Amazing. Now, if anyone is interested as well, you do you do offer a number of resources as well on the website. So again, go to the show notes. There are resources there available. I'm going to include your LinkedIn um, link in our show notes as well, Anisha, so people can contact you directly if they want to find out more. Of course, you can contact um, pronounceme.co.uk uh, through their webpage as well if you want to find out more about that program as well. My last question is this. Being an expert in the world of pronunciation and the world of language, what's the question that I haven't asked that I probably should have done while I have the opportunity to have you on this podcast? Because this is a subject area that we've never covered before on the HLND podcast. This is, you know, we've done over 75 episodes of the show. It's an aspect that I personally have overlooked, I'll be honest, until we until we found each other to, to, to bring you onto the show. So I'd love to know if there's something, a burning question that maybe I should be asking, perhaps I haven't thought about in my research. So I'm going to ask you what that question would be. Well, I'm going to turn it around a bit because in a way, I think you've answered the question the way I would want to ask answer it. I would say to HR personnel, please ask your staff because this issue isn't being discussed enough. It's kind of going under the rug a bit. And people may not come forward by them by their own accord, you know, because they're probably just trying to do a good job at work. They may not come forward and say, by the way, I'm a bit concerned about my accent or I'm worried that people may not understand me. So please, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, please use this as an opportunity to broach this issue with your staff. And please don't feel awkward about it because at the end of the day, it's just sounds and, you know, the mouth can be trained, the understanding can be trained. And this is not about feeling embarrassed that you have an accent. I would really like to take the embarrassment out of the equation altogether or any awkwardness out of the equation because every language is different and we produce sound in a different way according to the habits from our own language. So it's just, you know, it's just another learning curve that can be gone through effectively with the right training. So please start having these conversations in the workplace and don't feel awkward about it. No, I think you've put that perfectly, uh, Isha Kuala. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. And I think, you know, to take that level further, 
we're always talking on this podcast that diversity and inclusion is not about ticking boxes. It's about communicating with your staff and creating an, an inclusive environment for everyone to feel comfortable and confident in their world of work. And everything you've just mentioned there is absolutely tantamount to helping ensure that that is possible for any business. So fantastic having you on the show. Thank you so much for opening my mind to the world of language. I, I feel... Like I really should get better at learning other languages myself. My wife is, is brilliant and I'm really very poor. So I'm going to try and make a mental note to, to make more effort going forward. But it's been an absolute privilege having you on the show. So thank you ever so much for joining me today. And of course, if you are an HR or L&D professional listening to this podcast and you need support with an HR or L&D related vacancy, please do give myself or any of my wonderful team a call. You can contact us at www.jgarecruitment.com. Just leaves me to say a thank you once again to Isha Karol for joining me today. And I look forward to bringing you the next episode of the HR L&D podcast real soon. Thank you, Isha. Thank you so much for tuning into the HR L&D podcast with your host, Nick Day, CEO of JGA Recruitment Specialist HR Recruiters. If you need any help with the current HR or L&D vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.